Greetings Lancing Tablets for here in Morsecombe. It's great to be with you again in spirit, if not in um, you know, physically, in the flesh. Uh, it's great also to be kicking off of this book of Malachi, tucked away right at the end of the Old Testament. Very easy to miss four chapters. And uh, really, it, the, it leaves the Old Testament period poised, ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus. We're not going to get into all that side of it. I'm sure that will come in a few weeks' time. We're looking at chapter 1. Now, just to say that Malachi, he prophesied in the post-exilic period. That is after Israel had been exiled, they'd been in Babylon, they'd been under the Persians and the Assyrians, and they'd come back, at least many of them, not all, had come back and um, into Israel and were, were again occupying the land. They'd come back under Nehemiah and Ezra. Those come before, just before Malachi most likely. Uh, and, but what's happened is the people are back in the land, um, but they're not really following God. Okay, And so we're going to get stuck into this right from the start. But to begin with, it says, verse 1, it says something really important. Okay, It says this, a prophecy, the word of the Lord to... Israel through Malachi. Now it says that this prophecy is to Israel. Okay, that means it wasn't written or made, this prophecy isn't made to us, it's not to the church. Malachi knew nothing about the church, at least nothing about Lansing Tab and nothing about New Life Brighton. He probably knew very little at all about what the church exactly was going to be like. This was written to specific people at a specific time, to the ethnic nation Israel who were living in the land of Israel and um, this is what he says to them he says I have loved you now here they are back in the land and the fact that they're back in the land is a testimony to God's covenant to them God had warned Israel time and again that if they refused to repent of their sin they were going to exile but if they repented he would bring them back to the land. And that's exactly what has happened. They sinned, they went into exile, but with time they repented and God has restored them back to the land. But some time has passed and it seems that they've given up really on following the Lord. Their repentance obviously wasn't that deep. And so the Lord says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how? Have you loved us? In other words, Israel, it seems, don't, aren't confident that God loves them. Now, the reason that they're not confident that God loves them is because they are in a state. There's famine and there's poverty. And there they are in the land, enduring famine and poverty and economic crisis. They're vulnerable and weak. And they've heard about the God who redeemed his people out of um, Egypt into the promised land. He's heard about the mighty acts of God under, with Moses leading them, Joshua, into the promised land, the walls of Jericho coming tumbling down and all that stuff. They've heard all these great stories. They've heard about the kingdom under David. They've heard about great men like Gideon. They've heard about you know, the, the, the golden era under Solomon. And so, but here they are, despondent, defeated, disappointed, disillusioned. And they're like looking around, they're thinking, you know, 
where's the evidence of God's love in, in our lives now? Where's the evidence that God is with us? Look at the state of us. Look at the, look at the poverty, the, the weakness, the vulnerability. We're not all that. And we struggle. Yeah, life will have been a real struggle for them. They'd have been wondering, where's this blessing of God? And so in that context, they're looking around and they're beginning to wonder, does God really love us? Yeah, does God really love us? Well, as I said, this is written to specific people at a specific time. It's written to a specific people at a specific time, but it's written for us today as well. So it says, for example, 1 Corinthians 10, Verse 11, these things, it's the Old Testament things, happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. And uh, Romans 15, verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So it's to them for us was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So it's written to them, but for us. So there they are in poverty, wondering where's this love of God? Where's the blessing of God? Where's the power of God working for us, through us and for us against our enemies? Now, it's, we also know that at the time they were still carrying out all the temple sacrifices and doing all the rituals that they're meant to do, okay? They were doing all that, so they must have been thinking, you know, we're doing all the business, we're doing what we should be doing, but still, where is God? And they probably, if you'd have asked them, you know, are you God's special people? They, they knew the answer. Yes, we're God's special people. If you'd have asked them, does God love you? They, they knew the answer to that. Yeah, well, I know God loves us. Bible, yeah, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. And, and they'd, have been, they'd have certainly been like that. They knew that God loved them. But God knew, <coughs> excuse me, deep down in their hearts, they doubted their love. And they may not have articulated that. But God articulates it for them. I have loved you, says the Lord, but how, you ask, have you loved us? And then God's answer to that question is an unexpected answer. Look what he says. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I hated. And I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have, we, we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may re rebuild, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, <coughs> a people, a people always under the wrath of God. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord beyond the borders of Israel. Now, what I'm saying there, basically, God, it's like God says, yeah, you, you say, how have we loved you? Then, says, then God says, well, look, I said, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. 
and they could have looked across and seen their cousins, as it were, Esau's sons, descendants, Edom, the Edomites, who are in a similar situation to Israel, okay? And, you know, they were experiencing poverty. Their, their, their nation had been destroyed, and they'd have been, you know, despondent and defeated. But what God is saying is this, look, you think I don't love you? Esau, I, have, I, I, I hate, he says. And when, he says, when God says I hate, what he means is he is opposed to them. And because he is opposed to them, God draws the distinction between Israel and Edom like this. He says, you want to know what it's like when I'm opposed to someone? He says, their, their, their land is a wasteland of jackals. They say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild. So God's saying, you know, they're a bit like you, Israel. They're going to try and rebuild. But this is what the Lord says. They may rebuild, but I will demolish. They will be called a wicked land, a people always under the wrath of God. God is permanently opposed to the Edomites. Now God says that in contrast to Israel. Israel know that God has brought them back to the land. Yeah, that's evidence of his covenant love. And so he's reminding them of that. They have no such encouragement, no such comfort. But then he goes on to say, you will see it with your own eyes. They will see the difference when God loves a people and when God doesn't. They will see it and they will say, great is the Lord beyond the borders of Israel. So they're going to one day, not too distant future, they will see that God is great even beyond the borders of Israel. He's true to his word. Edom, he hates, he's opposed, that's what it means. But Israel, no, his love is upon them despite their circumstances. And there's evidence of it, he's brought them back to the land. But then God underlines the real problem with Israel. Verse 6, a son honours his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honour due to me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. So, so in other words, they're saying, they're in the land, they're saying, yeah, where's God's love? I don't see it. Where's the evidence of it? Maybe God doesn't love us. And God says, no, 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 the problem isn't that I don't love you. Here's the problem. You don't love me. That's what he says. A son honours his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, God's saying, I'm your father. I'm a father to you. But where is the honour due to me? You see what God's saying? I have loved you, but you haven't honoured me. I am your master. I'm over you, taking care of you. But where is the respect? In other words, you know, God, their relationship with God was not what it should be. Now I said earlier, they were doing all the sacrifices, but look at what God says. He says, it's you priests who show contempt for my name. Now the priests were the ones who kind of stood in the gap between Israel, the people, and God. They made all the sacrifices to bring Israel to God so that they could have that right relationship. And he says, the priests have shown contempt my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt to your name? 
And this is what they were doing. By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? Here's what the Lord answers. By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you offer lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now, plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept offerings no, I, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. But you profane it by saying, the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden! And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame or diseased animals and offerings as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am, great, I am the great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So what he's saying there is the nation have treated him with contempt because, yeah, they've been going through the motions, bringing the offerings like they should, but the offerings they've been bringing have been the lame animals, the blind, the diseased. And God is saying, you're showing me utter contempt. You see, what was happening was this. You know, they, when it came to sacrifices and fulfilling their duty to the Lord, that's all it was. It was like, oh, God said we've got to do this. Well, we better do it then. Uh, but they, they, they've selected the animals that are good for nothing. It's like, well, God's not having that one. That's a decent animal. We'll, we'll have that. Our family, we'll, we'll, we'll slaughter that and we'll eat that beautiful lamb. That's a lovely lamb. But that one with disease, we can't sell that. We can't do anything with that thing. Ah, we'll give that one to God. The one that is useless to us. The one that's of no value, that we can't do anything with. Well, we won't even notice that. We've, got, we've probably just put it down otherwise. Anyway, let's just give that to God. And they're palming God off with, the, with lame offerings. And, but, but, and what they don't realise is that these offerings, this whole ritual, this whole thing that they're doing, is meant to be an expression of faith and love towards God, their Father. You know, God loves him. He says, I've loved you. You know, I'm, your, I'm a father to you. It was Father's Day not that long ago. And my daughters, they, all, they, they came and saw me. They all clubbed together. They all bought me beers. I was like, wow, that's very nice for you. All of them bought me beers. You know, four cans and whatever. And um, I thought, well, that's really nice. The thing is, they, they brought me, you know, and it was really lovely to see them. You know, we've got all the social distancing stuff going on. But anyway, nice to see them. And... Uh, and they express their love to me by giving me those gifts. And that cost them, okay? Uh, but then not only did they give me gifts individually, but together, corporately, they clubbed together and they got me a gift that they couldn't afford on their own. Like, they wanted to get me something really nice. 
And so they all clubbed together and they brought me a really nice beer fridge to put all my beers in. Like, once I saw that, I was like, oh, that's why they all bought me beer. Not that I drink a lot of beer, but, um, but that's what they did. And, and, and it was lovely. They, they, they were, you know, we haven't seen each other so much because of COVID. You know, it was such a joy for the family to be together again. And, and here's the thing. When God um, appointed or chose Israel as his people, his love was upon them. And he wanted the offerings that they brought to be expressions of love. But they, t that they didn't get that God loved them and that, is, that they, he wanted a love relationship. They were palming him off. It was like my girls. Imagine they were like, oh, do we have to get him something? It's Father's Day. Do we have to go and see him? You know, if oh, I suppose we better. The Lord, it, Lord says, doesn't he? You say, what a burden. And this grieves the heart of God. Grieves the heart of God. And so, and, and so God was not happy with him. Of course he wasn't happy. It was like my girls. Imagine, you know, they really, it, they, it would show, wouldn't it, if they really didn't want to be there. Yeah, you know, they couldn't wait to get away and get back to what they really liked doing. And they were disappointed because I hadn't done enough for them, kind of, you know. That would be a terrible thing. Of course I wouldn't be pleased if they, if they gave me gifts that it was like, oh, well, you know, I'll get in something for a quid or something. I didn't even notice that gone. Just to, to say, oh, we, we did it. We did our bit. If that was it, of course I wouldn't be pleased. And neither is the Lord pleased. What does this mean for us? Well, two things. Sometimes we find ourselves defeated, disappointed, disillusioned, wondering, where's the love of God for me? Do you wonder about that? Is that a question in your heart? You may not articulate it. But is it a question in your heart? Well, you know, before wondering so much, you know, it's very easy to answer the question, does God love me? If you're a believer, all you've got to do is look to the cross. God proved his love. Just like he proved his love to Israel by bringing them back to them. He has proved his love beyond all question by sending Jesus to die for you. Such as his great love for you, he gave and sacrificed his son so that you could be reconciled in a relationship of love with him. And how do we express that love to God? Well, in two ways, primarily. One, it, by praising and worshipping him and telling people how wonderful he is. And two, by serving him, joyfully serving him. So let me ask you. When it comes to praising and worshipping God, you get the chance every Sunday, well not actually at the moment, but when you get the chance to come together, is that something you, you joyfully run to? You know, your heart is really looking forward to being among God's people and praising your Father, just like I was pleased to see my daughters, they were pleased to see me. Is it that love relationship? Or is it, oh man, I'd rather be watching the football, but better drag myself to church. And then you get to church, and you're sort of like singing, you're chit-chatting, you're not really concentrated, but you're singing because that's what you've got to do, really. And when it comes to giving your offering, it's like, I'm not giving God much. I'll get, I, I know I ought to give. I suppose I better give something. I, I, can, I can manage to give that without noticing it too much. I just, you know, that'll ease my conscience. You know, that kind of relationship with God. Maybe you're, you're disappointed with God because, uh, uh, because... He doesn't seem to have come through for you in all sorts of different things. Maybe your business, maybe your home, maybe your relationships. 
Life's a struggle. And so when you wonder, where's God's love? And you, you're half-hearted in your worship of him. You don't appreciate anything of, of him because you don't see it. Well, do you know, God's promise to Israel, the nation, was that if they loved the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul and strength, if they obeyed his commands, he would give them a land and he would make them prosperous. If they loved and obeyed, love first. God hasn't promised to give you or me land and success. That's not what his promise is. He gives something much better. God promises to give you himself, his very presence, his power, his peace and his joy. That's the promise of God. That as we love him, you know, we know his, we, 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 know, we know his pleasure on us when we love him. You know, it's not that, and we don't love him because we love him first. He loved us. He's shown that. And when we accept what he's done and express gratitude for what he's done and mean it, when we love him, then we know the peace and the joy of his presence. It's sometimes we just want what he's got to give, like, God, where's the, the goods? No, no, no. You know, it's not about that. It's about him having him. He offers himself, his very self. God wants you to have him. I mean, what an amazing thing is that. But so often we're like, no, I'm not really interested in God. I'll do what I have to do. But God, now give me the goods, God. It's all wrong. We've got it all wrong. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to it, if, 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 yeah, when we're half-hearted in our worship and all that, it's because it's not in our hearts, if we're honest. It's like, it's just not really in me. I don't... You know, I know I ought to be loving God and I ought to be going to church, and, but I'm just not. Well, here's the good news. Malachi, right from the start, is all about predicting the Lord Jesus. Okay, that's how Malachi finishes. The way is open for Jesus. Who was Jesus? Jesus is the son. Like, Jesus is the proper son. Israel, God refers to him as his son. But they, they were a son that failed. Jesus is the son that succeeds. He always honoured his father. He always obeyed his father as his master. And Jesus is the one who fulfills all of our failings. He succeeded where we fail. And here's the thing. When, if you feel like, yeah, but it's just not in my heart. The good news is this. You are in Christ and Jesus, Jesus does love God even though you don't, and you are in him. And all the merits that belong to him are given to you. So that even when you fail, like we all do, it's like God doesn't shut us out, he's not going to kick us out. Yes, we don't know the joy of his presence because we're distant from him, because we're offering him lame worship. But look at the grace of God in that. Jesus has, done, has been the son to the father that we are not. He does it for us. So, so how can we respond you know, from this cold-heartedness? Surely it's by saying, my Father, thank you so much that you sent Jesus to be everything that I'm not, and now you are working me to make me more like him. Lord, make me more like Jesus. Yeah, that's the, that should be our prayer. That's the lesson that we learn from Malachi, that, that we fail as God's children, but Jesus is, is the Son. We say, Lord, I know that I fail, but what a wonderful son 
in Jesus. And I'm in him. And in, as such, you and I, if we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, we're children of God too. Beloved by the Father. Amen.